0: Welcome to the Watchers of the Skies program. I'm Carlos Campo, president here at Ashland University, and I am joined as always by my colleague and friend, Dennis Montecruzis. Dennis, good day, sir.
1: Yes, how are you?
0: I'm great. You know, it's 78 degrees, not a breath of wind. We're joined in the studio by some tremendous young people. We've got uh, Will and Rodney and Zach. We've got Bryce in the back, who does not like golf. We want to make sure we we make that clear. Bryce does not like golf. And Caitlin's running the show right up front, so. If we do well, we will laud Caitlin. If we do poorly, we'll take the blame. It's not, not Caitlin's fault. You know, Dennis, Ashland is a great place. It's the world headquarters for nice people. It's you know, the home of one of the great universities in the Midwest, Ashland College, now University and Theological Seminary. We were founded in 1878 by the Brethren, and the traditions that still hold true kind of fly in the face of some of what we're reading in an article that we've Got some contentious ideas about. So give us the title of the article. You know, the the name of the writer, I think, has got to be a pseudonym. Is that I was, right? I was thinking that, too. You know, just, yeah. Matthew Freeman, you know, the first right. gospel writer. He's a Freeman. man. I, I, maybe, maybe not. He published this at 12.05 a.m. on April 3rd. So I also thought to myself, if, if Dennis has a qualm with him, maybe he just published it just after midnight, The Witching Hour, and he should be given some leave. I'm not sure if that's true yet. But give us the title to this uh, interesting article, and then we can debate its strengths and weaknesses. Yes.
1: So the title is yes. Classical Education's Woke morbidity, subtitled, importantly, mm-hmm. Without Hierarchy, You Cannot Have Hero Worship. Wow.
0: Without Hierarchy, You Cannot Have Hero Worship. I mean, you, you're going to put you, we're going to put uh, <laughs> our listeners to sleep with these kinds of titles here, Dennis. You're going to have to kind of pull us out of this morass. Uh, so classical education, maybe give us a brief overview of how you would define classical education.
1: Sure. So this is not maybe exclusively, but it's, it's let's say, at least adjacent to the homeschooling movement. Hmm. And the idea is that you get a big dose of especially Greek and Roman um, authors in the education, but also, let's say, medievals as well. I mean, kind of the classics. So the classical canon, mm-hmm. again, with a heavy emphasis on, let's say, Greek and Roman literature.
0: Yes, yeah, so when you say the word canon, help us understand what you mean by that.
1: Right. So you, you stick books and then you uh, fire them. Oh at, oh no, I'm kidding. No, so the canon, the word means rule. So, for instance, we talk about the canon of Scripture. It's the books that were decided to officially be, to count as Scripture. Right. And so you have this in, in literature as well. So these are the books, not in some formal sense. I mean, there's no committee that says this is, these are the books that everyone must study. But, well, there are those sites. Well, of co- well there are. Of I, I, mean, right what you're getting right. I mean, so Mortimer Adler, the University of Chicago, and so on. But, yes. I mean, more informally. Old cultural literacy. Right, exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, as a kind of a typical example, you say, well Shakespeare obviously belongs in the canon yes uh, in in philosophy, Plato and Aristotle clearly belong in the canon homer, and so on of right course. homer yes. as a as a classic author yes right uh dante and 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 so on so Good. these kind of uh well known authors that I would say for a very long time were kind of the backbone of certainly university education, um, I don't know the degree to which this would have been true in high school. Some of them would have been. Mm-hmm. Others might have been thought, this is too advanced or we don't have time. But. Well, without putting the audience completely yes. to sleep, you know, yes. I, I will go back to say, no, that's my, that's my doing.
0: Yeah. But uh, going back even further, you know, the reality is if you look at classical education, there was only one book ever taught, and that was the Iliad. The Iliad was the only source of learning. So when you were a young Greek boy uh, and young man growing up, there was only one book ever discussed. It was only one thing ever taught. It was only the Iliad every time. And so it had that kind of power and hold on antiquity and and, and on that culture. And even if you were, were to read some of the narratives of that day, they would talk about the fact, I can read Homer on my own, but it really now gets to the teaching of it, and which which we'll get to in just a moment. But, you know, I think tracking and tracing the history of education is interesting along those lines. It was only Homer for many, many years. You know, when Christianity came into the fore, there was this this debate, right? So initially, there was a, a strong stance where Christianity took over and said, we'll never teach those pagan works ever again. And then they said, well, wait a minute. This has been part of classical learning. Without it, are we really doing harm to, to the men? Unfortunately, still men, only men being taught at that time. So... I would say it's a great win for Christianity, that classical learning was appropriated back into the curriculum. And now, of course, in present day, it's found its way back out of the curriculum, but there's been a movement bringing it back in. So, all right, so we've got classical learning, but what is this woke comorbidity? What's that all about?
1: Okay, well, so the issue is kind of a a back and forth early in the year. So there was a, um, he was, the, I think, the, the principal or the, the head of a, one of these classical schools in Louisiana, and I forget the guy's name. If you know it offhand, just jump in. Oh, I can't recall. Um, what is the fellow's name? I don't recall, but oh, anyway. Um, oh, Thomas Acord. Okay. So, it turned out that he had been posting anonymously on Twitter all kinds of white supremacist garbage. Mm-hmm. So, he, of course, got fired from the school and so on, but There was uh, an article by uh, a Christian who's also very involved in classical education named Jessica Hooten Wilson, and she wrote an article with the rather provocative title, Is White Supremacy a Bug or a Feature of Classical Christian Education?
0: Right, and a bug as if, you know, some sort of infection, right?
1: Right, yeah, this is like a standard kind of uh, little literary meme nowadays in articles, right? Is this a bug or a feature? We refer to computer bugs. Right. and so, you know, the thought would be, well, okay, this is just one bad apple, but she's asking, well, is this actually maybe more of a, a thoroughgoing thing? And so she, with some other people, have been involved in trying to have um, at least a little more diversity in terms of, of women and, um, let's say, people who are not classically considered as white in, in this canon. Yes. And so the author that we're looking at now, Matthew Freeman, if that's his real name, mm-hmm. um, is is trying to argue that well no this is in fact a bit of a, a slippery slope, so in in the classics departments of many universities Princeton I think maybe most um, infamously there has really been just uh, an absolute repudiation by classicists themselves mm. of the the kind of canonical tradition of the the usual authors from Greece and Rome and, and so on, and um, so what Freeman is claiming is that hey there's a there's a once you let this in, right, this is just um, the beginning. But once, once you kind of grant, well, a couple of things. So first, once you start to worry about who's being taught with respect to, let's say, bean counting in terms of sex and gender, uh, not sorry, not sex and gender, but, but sex and ethnicity. And, um, but also, once you start to make this, we haven't really discussed yet, but once you start to make something other than what he calls hero worship, the point of a classical education, then you've lost the point and you're going to lose classical education right. as traditionally concerned. Now a little, little uh, remark about slippery slopes, you should, never, you should always reject slippery slopes because if you take one, then <laughs> inevitably you'll take all of them, right? Yes, so, yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and unfortunately, he's slipping down his, his own slope, at least according yeah. to you, right? That's part of, part of his problem. Uh, his, I, think, I think so, mm-hmm. yeah. I,
1: and I looked up um, the, the thing that she had done. To see the people that she had actually given, oh, re- and it was it was an unobjectionable list. And frankly, many of the people there were already people in the canon, even mm-hmm. though they're not white, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, Augustine being a kind of a classic example. Sure. I mean, he's from you was know she North on Africa. Her, was,
0: she, was Augustine on her list?
1: Yeah, okay. I mean, but I mean, plenty of others. I mean, sure. um, early many early Christians are mm-hmm. are from from Alexandria, Eaton in Egypt, sure. or from elsewhere in North Africa, and mm-hmm. and there are others too. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it wasn't that this had turned into some kind of... Um, Trading yeah, this Shakespeare, like kind of, Tony Morrison, or something Right, like yeah, that. exactly. Yeah. This wasn't like some kind of CRT fantasy. I mean, this was just, you know, by and large, uh, well-known people. One, one name that I, I saw that she mentioned in her own article was um, Catherine of Siena. Hmm. Well, okay, she's a doctor of the Catholic Church. I mean, there's only 30-some-odd, I think, yeah. doctors in the Church. So this is not like some kind of really wacky, nope. weird person who's included in the canon. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple, two or three names in there that I I didn't recognize. But overwhelmingly, the the people that she would have considered to be, you know, outside of, or that both, I think, these people would have considered to be outside of the usual list were well-known people Mm -hmm. who, I mean, certainly are reasonable candidates for inclusion at the very least.
0: Right. So his first error in some ways was simply framing her objection wrongly.
1: Right, right, and 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 maybe to some extent it's because um, the the headline. I mean, she she yeah. has this rather inflammatory headline. Sure. And so, and, and by the way, for those of you who are watching, um, it's not always the case that an author actually writes their own headline. It's often done by someone else. And and I don't know if she chose that or not. But, Good point. Mm-hmm. But it is an inflammatory headline, and I can yes. see why that would get someone's hackles up. But again, when I when I, as far as I could tell, looking at her list, I pretty mean, pretty reasonable. Yeah, it, yeah. W- it was not some kind of yeah. crazy woke um, sort of thing.
0: Hmm. You know, but the, the writer, Freeman, if that's his name, we keep saying, uh, goes on to quote Columbia's Roosevelt Montas, the author of Rescuing Socrates, and he says, he is at present the most prominent defender of the totally doomed field of classics. And he says, my point is simple. Give the underprivileged access to the cultural wealth that has been long the exclusive purview of the elite, and you will have given them the tools with which to subvert the social hierarchies they have been kept, that have kept them down. Beyond equipping them with marketable skills and the means for economic self-advancement, this deeper work of education is the most valuable gift that colleges and universities give to young people. It is also the most valuable contribution they can make to a democratic society. I mean, Dennis, these are the kinds of things we've been reading for years and years about why students should be studying classical works in education, why liberal education is so
1: powerful. Is Montes wrong? Well, he, he wants to say not so much that he's wrong, but that he's wrong, that that's wrong as a defense of the classics, that mm-hmm. that's not the point to undermine or to support for that matter any given social hierarchy. Mm-hmm. It's, so he, he seems to present it in a much more individualistic manner that the point is to, to inculcate virtue, and you do that by seeing these heroes of the tradition, mm. and you emulate them. So it's, it's that you're, you're missing the point, and if you subsume it to these political aims, what you're going to end up with is not the classics, but just politics. Right. Well, and why do you take an issue with that stance? I, I don't think I take an issue with that if you take that to be the, the primary point. So mm. I, I would say that that's a value that... Yeah, that you you see anytime you're studying an alternative culture, you get to have an eye on your own. You get to see, hey, things work differently over here, and and there maybe not people that you study in another different culture are not blind to things that we're blind to. No, they may themselves be blind to things that we're aware of. Hmm. But but so no, I mean I, I I think what Montes is saying, again taken as let's say a value, yes, I, I think that's right. Right. But but to take it as the value, I, I I'm sympathetic to the. To Freeman's critique, of, critique that. of that, right?
0: And how how would you align with this hero worship instance? So, uh, yeah. you know, here you are. You're looking at Odysseus. He's a hero, you know, of, of the Iliad. What what's your concern there?
1: So that I just I, I found completely repugnant. Uh, yeah. Frankly, um, I, I think well, it depends on on your where you're coming from. Okay. So I think as Christians we have a grand total of one hero, right? And I don't even know that I like the, the term hero, hero exactly. Well, Freeman does reference so he does. Jesus Christ, he doesn't he? Does. Yes. Right. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, for instance, of something that Paul says, that, that that the apostle Paul says. So he says, in 1 Corinthians eleven, one, be imitators of me, as I am of Christ. Right. right. That's the model. Hmm. And what you're after, we're after virtue. We're after, if we're Christians, we're after following Christ. We're not after heroes. And, and so one thing that, that struck me, mentioning the Iliad, that he is just, seems completely enamored with this. And I think he's just completely misreading the Iliad, that this is not some glorification, and he even says kind of an, an erotic glorification. Yeah, that was of, strange, I have to yeah, say. Yeah, mm-hmm. of, of this you know, militant, you know, this military um, ethos. I mean, I think you can make at least as good a, a case that this is just showing the absolute folly of the whole the whole procedure, that you end up over really something that's comparatively minor, just with this absolute destruction of of the, these armies of these, these these people who are great who should be allied and 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 fellow spirits, who in the interest of this kind of hubri- hubristic honor uh, just destroy everything.
0: What would you say about Odysseus? you know, aim and purpose that is often lifted up as the heroic, right? This idea that while he is f- flawed, that his insistence to pursue his ultimate aim, which is to get home, is one that every man and woman could learn from.
1: I, I mean, it's, it's complicated, and you could probably say more, but, I mean, it seems to me that, in fact, again, his his aims in that leads to the destruction of his crew. <laughs> right. I mean... You know, his, his homeland is endangered by his delay. I mean, very little comes good. So he does finally do the right thing and comes home and, and kind of straightens out the mess. But, I mean, how much pain and, and death on the way to this good end that's finally reached? So, I, I mean, you, you can easily deconstruct these things. So, I mean, again, it's sure. a debate that can be had. And and might be that there are different levels going on. But but I think just this kind of straight, naive view that these are glorifying um, that that this is really the aim is to be like you know Achilles and all these other uh greek heroes just at best it's you know one interpretation and at worst it's just completely right. missing the point
0: right so you know maybe i'll pose it this way if he didn't use the term hero yeah and if he talked about a model and right. he only talked about jesus christ then what would you say about is that in some ways preferable or how how does that compare right.
1: to i, I mean I, I would say that that I take the value of classical education to be that you're, you're, presenting, you're presenting virtue as being attractive. Yes. So you can, you can do that without making this kind of weird hero worship mm. um, turn. So that you're pursuing truth, right? The true, the beautiful, and the good. I right. mean, that's, that's that. the, the classic, yep. um, you know, kind of trio. And, and within a Christian context, they're often viewed as, as the, the three main attributes of God or three major ways of understanding who God is mm-hmm. as, as being the true, the beautiful, and the good. And so to the degree that you're inculcating that, that's, that's great, right? And if you are pursuing truth, then that's going to lead you in positive directions and, and, and the good, right? So then you'll be a person who not only knows what the right thing to do is, but you've, you've made yourself a person who does the good habitually, and you're willing to, even at great cost, pursue the good for yourself and for others, right? right? If you make hero worship the point, the point is to be a hero— and, like, he, he makes pride, I mean, so, Megalopsychia, this, this Greek term, which may not be best translated as pride, but that's how he translates it. Mm. I mean, this is anything but the main <laughs> virtue within a Christian context. <laughs> right. I mean, this is, right. this is, this we would say is the main virtue, in scare quotes, of Satan, right? Of the mm. devil. Yep. So, right. I mean, this, this is, I mean, absolutely insane to make this a, a defense, at least for Christians, of, of a classical education, I mean other than just saying okay let let's stick the hero tag on 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 Christ other than that there's so much in here that I think a Christian should reject um as just really missing the point I mean this is this is you know the the Nietzschean superman more than 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 you know the Christian exemplar
0: well, and it's funny because at, at the close of the essay, he really does talk about the role of the teacher. I mean, the word used more than any to, to describe Jesus Christ was rabbi, right, mm-hmm. uh, teacher. And I think it's one of the things that that I do align with in terms of what he, what he wrote is that the role of the teacher is critically important. And I completely agree with your criticism there because I was thinking to myself about another well-known figure that I would know is, is uh, Oedipus Rex, right? So, mm-hmm. is Oedipus Rex the model of virtue? I mean, here's a man who, you know, uh, murders his father and marries his mother. Uh, you know, I think uh, we would we would uh, see that there were a number of elements of his character that we would not want to model. But I do think his journey, right? So, and I would uh, agree that even Odysseus' journey has something about the nature of our lot in life mm-hmm. and how do we learn from things like destiny right Uh, things along those lines and I think that's where the teacher plays such an incredible role it's the way you teach Oedipus Rex from my perspective allowing students to see the way the plot reveals the power of someone saying I won't fulfill my destiny I know that the Oracle has said that I will kill my father and marry my mother I won't allow that to happen and Coming to terms with and fighting your own destiny, I think, is something that any human being can uh, align with. And I think some of those terrifying passages where this revelation is slowly coming to him mm-hmm. that I, I am the man. Right? right? I am that very person, that the, the man that I thought was my father, that I left so that I wouldn't kill him. Right. Uh, then I meet someone uh, on the roadway and the next thing you know, But we'll have to save that lesson for another time. As much as our audience is just spellbound by the opportunity to hear more about Oedipus Rex, you'll have to come to a class and hear from one of our great professors in the English department, led admirably by Dr. Hillary Donatini here at uh, Ashland University for another time. But until then, you write to us at president at ashland.edu. We want to hear from you because we are the watchers of this guy's program and we look forward to having you with us next time.